This is the Tripartisan Podcast with Ben Swain, James Henderson, and David Staley. Get ready for the latest football and basketball news and opinions on Duke, NC State, and Carolina with our insiders. Now, here's the Tripartisan Podcast. Welcome to week number three of the Tripartisan Podcast on WRELsportsfan.com. I am Ben Swain. Here with James Henderson and Dave Staley. Guys, we survived the storm. You guys doing all right? Doing good. Doing good up, good up here. Doing great. Stayed relatively dry. We even went bowling on Saturday. Yeah, I think fortunately the, the triangle uh, missed a lot of the bad stuff uh, until until today. Today got a little dicey, but, but man, the, uh, the, the state in general just took – an absolute hammering um, really from what Thursday night on uh, to, to today. And I, I can't remember a storm that's lasted this long. Uh, I, I don't know how long you guys have been around the area, but it's, it certainly was a, an all timer for me. Yeah. The same. Um, I, I mean, days it's, it's crazy. I feel what did it start Thursday? I mean, for at least for us and all the way till today. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was it was intense, um, and like you said, luckily I know for us. I mean, we're, we're we're we feel bad for those who who aren't as lucky as us, but obviously we were glad to to get as little as we got up here in our, in our Wake Forest. From yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a bad one. Uh, I remember I did not live here during Hurricane Floyd, but my parents and well, my family had season tickets to actually James, you'll appreciate this to NC State versus Georgia Tech. Uh, was the game after after Floyd came through? Um, both my parents went to NC State, and so okay. we wound up going to the the state game that weekend, or trying to. Our van broke down when we got to Chapel Hill, and we wound up at the only gas station for it must have been fifty miles that had power because there were a thousand cars lined up there to get into the gas station the entire time we waited for a tow truck. It was great. So is well, that how you became a UNC fan? Is that your your <laughs> band broke down in Chapel Hill? Actually, even by that point, I was already a UNC fan, and I would just go and uh, actively root against NC State or or hold up signs for out of our van for the the opposing team. So wait, I, wait, I, I, we, I we need this story. How did age. it happen? You yeah, would. I'm sorry. I, I just need to hear this story. How two NC State fans <laughs> let this happen? <laughs> uh, honestly, I had a lot of teachers growing up. There you from go. basically first until fourth, third grade, I guess, that were big Carolina fans and would always write on my papers jokes about Carolina. And, you know, I just started watching them on TV playing basketball and stuff. And I just wound up, I just, I, I think I like to be contrary. So I just rebelled against my dad just for fun. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Being corrupted by teachers at a young age, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> Of course, now my son says he wants to be an engineer and he's going to go to NC State. So, I mean, it's going to be full circle there. <laughs> well, good for him. Uh, neither, neither one of you guys uh, obviously covered a football game this weekend. Any any talk in Raleigh or Chapel Hill of, man, we probably should have played this game? Or was everyone really kind of seeing the, the big picture for, for what it is, being connected with the entire state of North Carolina and seeing the importance of freeing up all that uh, all that staff to go, you know, help people in need. And, and even I know Carter Finley was a, was a parking lot for uh, construction vehicles or for uh, rescue vehicles, I believe. Um, what, what was the reaction like seeing the storm actually come through? I know, I know at NC state, I mean, and obviously at inside back sports, we have forums. So, you know, I get to see a lot of fans at fan interaction and um, you had your fans who said, Hey, did we cancel this game too early? And, you know, I mean, I, we could have made it happen and, and those types of things. But I think you had more that were much more realistic and obviously understood um, what was what was happening in the state and, and where, you know, the personnel needed to be. I mean, when we talked about this last week on the podcast, I mentioned that that one of the main things I know NC State was monitoring was uh, the need for medical personnel to be at a football game and occupying those when you've got the situation that's going on. And I really believe that was the main reason that they went ahead and canceled the game was because, you know, I spoke, I did it for my article last week. I spoke with, uh, with one of the NC state officials and they told me it takes about 200 police and medical personnel to, to, to staff a football game. 
And that's a lot to take off, you know, essentially off the road when you've got this type of a crisis going on. So, I mean, I felt like it was a no-brainer. And I think once once it kind of set in, fans felt the, the same way. Yeah, and I would agree. I, I didn't really see any Carolina fans that were clamoring to to play a game against Central Florida. And I think, I mean, you know, part of that is just the weather and part of that was the fact that the season hasn't started off that great. And I think it's almost off uh, given us an opportunity for kind of a reset, right? You get a week off to kind of lick your wounds and recover and try to see, all right, well, how can we salvage the season season? And I, you know, I'm going to write my column this week on how Carolina can go eight. No, during the ACC, this, the, the rest of this year. So it's gotten me reinfused. <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. Um, possible. So from a from a Duke point of view, I think a lot of fans were going into the Baylor game almost hoping that they didn't play that game either uh, for 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 uh, for one reason or, or another. But going in without Daniel Jones and and uh, without a lot of guys on defense and and even losing you know Michael Carter on the second possession of the game, both starting cornerbacks out. Uh, it was kind of dicey uh, for Duke to even be able to field a competitive team down in, in Waco, but they they get the win. Um, it was again pretty comfortable and pretty uneventful, other than uh, three spectacular throws by Quentin Harris, um, who really couldn't connect on much of anything else other than those three passes. But those three were uh, were definitely Sports Center worthy. The one question that I have for you guys, I'm actually going to direct it to James. How dumb is it that Jalen McClendon has to transfer from NC State to go play at Baylor just to get a crack at the Blue Devils? <laughs> it's funny, man, because I was watching that game and and I don't, and I assumed you watched the whole game, but there was a he. I think he got injured early on, and um, yeah, he got he got hit early, and and uh, he ended up coming back in in the second half. But yeah, you you missed right. a lot of the first half. And, and I saw and, was, and you know I was watching the game um, with a with a buddy of mine, and and I kid you not, we literally the game was turned on. We were at a, at a sports bar up here. And the game was turned on, and, he, and we and we looked at it, and, and he goes, "It doesn't Jalen McClendon play for play for Baylor?" I'm like, oh yeah. And so we we very first play he gets injured, very first play. So he's like, "There we go. We saw his whole career at Baylor. He, he, <laughs> his, his knee is gone, and, and that's it." But he but he ended up coming back in, and and I saw um, there was a play in, the, in late in the second half where he kind of ran through the Duke bench. He was like running the football, and like ran through the Duke bench and circled back out. And we just kind of joked, you know, that's the closest he got to playing Duke. Yes, <laughs> in his five years in college, which is which is crazy. And again, we've talked about this before, but yeah, I mean, you know, for him, I'm sure that was a game he probably had, you know, going all the way down to Baylor just to get that opportunity to play a game he was probably looking forward to. And obviously, for you know, for those guys, it didn't turn out the way he wanted. But yeah, I mean, I got to interact with Jalen whenever he was being recruit. Whenever he was being recruited, I I got to cover him and really good kid. And I'm just glad he's got an opportunity because he's pretty talented. Another Jalen that played in the game, and I think Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, and, and maybe you know I know James is deep in the recruiting game, so you may know better than you. Uh, Jalen Hurd transferring from from Tennessee, didn't he? Didn't he consider North Carolina, or was North Carolina a possible landing destination for him, or am I completely making that up? I think I vaguely recall that. I'll say I I, I follow recruiting virtually zero, um, just for the sheer fact that it's just a lot of work to invest yeah. all that time in, in, I don't know, getting to know a kid or like falling in love with a kid and then him decide to go somewhere else. So I basically get to know him when they show up on campus. Yeah. yeah. I just remember when he was, when he was leaving Tennessee, he was one of the most sought after uh, transfers in the country. And he was very bad in that game on, on Saturday uh, drops at least four passes that I can remember. And I think he had one good run and, uh, you know, jumped up and did the, uh, you know, the keep feeding me, uh, hand signal <laughs> and then, and then dropped it, you know, another pass later on in the game. Um, while so down he, 21, I'm sure they were down, while, yeah, while, while down, while down 21. Uh, so yeah, there wasn't, wasn't a lot from, from that game. I think the, the one thing that I will point out just to make Dave a little angry about is, uh, is Duke was not flagged for a single penalty in that game. Um, so they, they played a, a clean game. I think they read his column about all the penalties at UNC and, and wanted to, uh, to make a point there. So that was, Penalties are preventable. <laughs> they're definitely preventable. But I did think that was impressive, not to have any turnovers and no flags 
with a lot of backup players playing, um, especially with the three guys seeing their first career starts, a lot of new players in, you would think that uh, the stage would get to them and they would make mistakes, but, but Duke played a clean game and got out of there with a win. A couple more injuries, um, hopefully not too bad, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll see if any of those guys rest against NC Central on Saturday uh, before the, the big Virginia Tech game. But that's really it for college football action uh, in the triangle. So we'll see you guys next week. No, we're, we're kidding. We're going to go ahead and talk about some other stuff. Let's talk about some football that's happening right now. Again, as we said, we, we record this on Monday nights. Uh, Trubisky versus Russell Wilson right now in Monday night football. Uh, any kind of like bragging rights going on here? Like the state of Carolina fans get up for this Seahawks uh, Bears game for that rivalry aspect of it? Or does anybody really care? Wait, did Russell Wilson go to NC State? Here, oh, he played baseball there. Oh, yeah, because I knew he played football at Wisconsin. So yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, for I mean, for me, I mean, I don't think there's there's really many bragging rights. I kind of turned in just to see if he did the whole pack of Badgers thing again, just to make sure he hasn't had a change of heart and he and he's going back to where he actually graduated from, uh, NC State University. Um, but but no, in, in all seriousness, seriousness, I think I think. Um, I think it's good for both programs, to be honest, to be able to see guys like this play. I think for Carolina, I want to say just Trubisky might be their first starter ever. Um, if I don't know, Dave, you may know if that's right or not, but in the NFL, I know I saw a stat like that previously. And so obviously I'm sure they're looking for him. Or maybe TJ. TJ may have started, TJ Yates. Um, so so obviously for them, I'm hope that they're hopeful he'll have some success. But I know state fans are going to claim Russell as long as they can. Yeah, I think if, if Mitchell – which he's going by now starts uh, starts a full season. I think he'll be the first. Uh, I think, like you said, I think there've been Yates. I right. believe started for I guess the Texans or whoever for I don't know how many games. Not very long, but I mean, if 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 uh, Trubisky can go a full season, he'll be the the first Carolina quarterback that I'm aware of to do that. So, yeah, it would be nice to just you know have some success and display some some quarterback skills in the NFL and maybe convince other quarterbacks that they can come here and be successful too. Here's a, a fun bit of uh, trivia for you guys. Uh, Jalen McClendon included Russell Wilson is the last NC state quarterback to win a football game against Duke. It's, it's been, it's been that long since one they've won and two since they, they've played. Um, I think Duke's on a two game win streak uh, during that 15, 25 years <laughs> since, since the last time they played. It's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about what folks really care about here uh, in the triangle. The big news was the ACC basketball schedule got released last week. Anything interesting that jumped out at you guys from an NT state and, and UNC point of view. Dave, you want to go first? Oh yeah. Now we're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that's, you know, it's funny every year the schedule release gets later and later. And so there's all the, you've already seen, you know, half of the schedule before the entire thing gets released. And it's really just a matter of figuring out, okay, when are the ACC games going to happen? And, you know, timing wise, when do things occur? Uh, but looking at Carolina's full schedule, I mean, they have a, a decent out of conference schedule better than decent. I mean, I don't know if Stanford's going to be any good this year, but you got Stanford and then you go to Vegas, which is something I would like to go to at some point, but, it's always, you know, Carolina always plays the game over, over Thanksgiving and I'm looking at going to Maui in 2020, but I'm not sure that we're going to do anything before then, but they're going to go to Vegas and take on Texas and then either Michigan state or UCLA. Uh, then they got Michigan in the big 10 challenge at Michigan, which I think is the first time they've been to Ann Arbor. Um, and I guess it's the second time they've played since the championship in 93 and then Kentucky right before Christmas, uh, with the ACC schedule. I think the big things that pop out to Carolina fans are, Number one, the first thing you always look for is, do we play Clemson at home? The answer is no, so the streak lives for another year. Um, and then, you know, one thing, Ben, you can give me your thoughts on this, but the first Duke game is February 20th, um, Duke Carolina, which is just, I don't know, it's just insane to me that we have to wait wow. that late into the season before we get to see those two teams play one another. And then they play again, whatever it is, you know, two weeks later. Or two and a half. I don't know exactly. Yeah, the they, time. Duke's got four games between uh, the two UNC games. Yeah, that's just that's that is. I, I miss the glory days of 
two round robins and you don't play anybody a second time until you've played everybody a first time. But I guess we're never going back to that. Yeah, I think I think that that ship has sailed. I'm just uh, I'm I'm glad that Duke UNC is not going to be at noon on a Friday like Kentucky Tennessee or uh, Kentucky Louisville was <laughs> was last year. So we can still make fun of them for the greatest rivalry in college basketball being played during lunch on a uh, on a work day. Uh, James, any any game that jumps off the schedule, and I, I know that we knew uh, who everybody was going to play where they were going to play them. It's just a matter of in, in which order now any game. That's like uh, the one game that, you, that state is always, man, I, I want to get this over quickly or I really want this to be at the end of the year. Uh, is, is there like a, a game out there? That's just kind of like the heartburn for NC state fans. Well, I think the game that maybe every fan in, in the conference will say they want to get over quickly is Virginia, right? Um, uh, I know I can't, I mean, look, my no, first, nothing gets over quickly with Virginia basketball. I, I just can't watch it. It's hard. It really is. And I know I, I, other people disagree with that and that's fine, but I know NC state, it feels like they've been, they've played at Charlottesville forever. I mean, and, and it's once a year. Um, and this year they actually do get them at PNC arena, January 29th. Um, uh, for them, it's between a, it's a three game stand. It's the middle game between, Clemson and Virginia Tech, so obviously that's going to be a big a big three-game stretch. But, yeah, I mean, State hasn't had a lot of success at all against Virginia the last four or five years, um, and, and that's just a game that I know fans, NC State fans, they just really, it's just like, oh, we got to go, you know, play that game. And, and a lot of it, obviously not all of us, the style of play. I mean, some a lot of us, the fact that they haven't been successful against them, and, and, you know, Virginia deserves a lot of credit for that. But, yeah, I mean, if you wanted me to pick one game on the schedule, I mean, I think that would be it. Uh, you know, uh, for NC State, just because of of all the teams, and obviously, and, you know, states. It's not like states going out and beating Duke and UNC every year, but if I had to pick one team in the league that's really given them problems the last four or five years, it's been Virginia. What about you, Dave? Is it anything that uh, that UNC fans just dread on the schedule? Um, honestly, well, I, I would agree that playing Virginia recently has been just a, a dreadful thing. Um, but I mean, also just the state and Duke games, while they're fun to hype up, like you also, at the same time, you have this nervous feeling in the pit of your stomach and you're just, you just, you just want it to end. You want to win, but you want it to end. And so, I mean, I think those, you know, four games that we'll have to look forward to this year will be both exciting and nerve wracking all, all in one. You get four, me, me and Ben only get one. Right, Ben. I mean, state. You know, state and Duke again. We play one time this year, um, and again, that's the thing I really miss about this. I'm, and I think Dave mentioned it earlier. I, I just miss not being able to play Duke twice a year in basketball. Um, I really do. Win or lose, I mean, that was a rivalry growing up. I really like to watch, um, for, at least for for me as a state fan growing up. And uh, states two two crossovers or two partners or two of their partners every year is, is awake in UNC. So. They don't get that opportunity with Duke, and and, uh, and I'm kind of with you. I always like having that. If you play it, play one of them, say in January, you know you get another crack at them later on in February or March. And uh, and State just doesn't get that opportunity, obviously, with Duke like they do like they do UNC. At least we're going to the expanded schedule starting next season. So so hopefully that changes um, right. with, with more conference games being being played. I'm gonna go off the beaten path a little bit. And, and obviously the, the Duke, I mean, the, uh, the NC state and, and UNC games are, are big for Duke fans as is the Virginia series. Duke gets them at home and away this year. Um, but I think for, for Duke fans, the, the dread is the, the road game against teams that will only have fans at one game throughout the entire season. So, you know, when you talk about like at Florida State uh, or at uh, Boston College or so they don't they don't play at Boston College this year, but that's a good example of that or at Virginia Tech, you know, th- those those teams don't get to play in front of a, uh, a raucous home crowd often. And so whenever Duke comes into town and UNT goes through the same thing where that's the marquee game and everybody wants to go to that game and it's and it becomes the you know, the national championship environment for that one team. Um, so I'm looking at, 
Uh, obviously at Pitt is going to be a big game for, for Duke this year playing cable for the first time. Uh, but, but Pitt fans will certainly be out in droves for that. But uh, the sneaky angriest team in the ACC, Wake Forest. And I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're like this with state in, in, in Carolina. I, I've been to a good UNC team playing at Wake Forest game before. And, and the heat was definitely there. It's just a different kind of anger. Um, I, I can't even explain it. I don't know if you guys have experienced that firsthand with, with Wake Forest, but that is Duke's first road game uh, in the ACC. They open up at home with Clemson and then go on the road at Wake Forest, and there's no chance that, uh, that, that these young guys for Duke have ever played in an environment where people literally want them to break their leg on, <laughs> on the court. Um, and and that, that's what it is. It's not even like, Hey, I'm here. I wanted, you know, I want to see RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson and, and I want to beat them. And I'm going to be so excited when we do it's, I want this guy's career to end in this game. And I'm going to cheer when it happens. That's, that's how Wake fans are. Uh, and it's brutal. Um, so I think that's the one that Duke fans are already looking at is like, man, uh, that's a, that's a bad game to have at the start of the season. It is very odd because it's, I think it's the same thing when Carolina goes there. And I think it's the same thing when state goes there also. Um, There's differences. I think kind of when Carolina fans look at playing Duke, it's like, Oh, we have this mutual respect, even though we hate each other. And then when you play against state, you think, okay, well, we just really hate these guys. And yeah, you're right. Wake is totally different, but it's, it's almost like, I guess with, with, with Duke, there's mutual respect. With NC State, there's mutual hatred. And with Wake is really, the Carolina-Wake game is really what the Carolina fans try to say the Carolina State game is. It's a game that truly is just yes. another game on the schedule. But for Wake, it's their, we have to win this game because we hate these guys. And and I feel like Carolina fans walk in and they're like, what is y'all's problem? Like, why, why all the hatred? Why the vitriol? <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I'm looking at from from a Duke perspective, and then uh, they actually end the year with a little tough slate. That UNT game uh, in Durham that we mentioned, then right after that, it's at Syracuse and at Virginia Tech, where it should or another those two venues where uh, teams will or fans will show out in force to, uh, to to see Duke lose. So I think that's a three game stretch there that's difficult for them. Um, anything else interesting from the basketball schedule or, or not really? Again, we knew a lot of this ahead of time. Well, so I guess I'd just ask you, you brought this up earlier with Capel, but I mean, is, is, is coach K going to roll over and let Capel get a W so that he can pad his resume so that when K retires, Capel can come back to Durham or what, what's the thought on that? <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you my, my, my take on that. I still think, um, Capel is going to be the next coach at Duke and, and really what they've done, um, with Capel taking this job in Pitt is they've kind of given themselves a little bit of a buffer. If he goes to Pitt and does well, then it's an easy decision, you know, buy him out from Pitt, have him come to Durham and, and coach the blue devils. And that's, that's an easy thing. If he goes to Pitt and it's Kevin Stallings part two, then they know and they, they, they would not have invested, um, you know, that season or two in him like a Matt Doherty at, at UNC where it's just obviously not the right fit. Um, so I think they get to see that a little bit with how he does at Pitt. Um, but you know, I, I, I know Jeff, I, I think the world of him and, and I think he's definitely going to be the next guy. Cause I think he's definitely going to, uh, turn Pitt into something respectable, Probably not this season, um, but but then in, the, in the next two three seasons, I think uh, he's going to do some really good stuff at Pitt, and I think he's the he's the next guy. Um, it'll be, you know, will will K roll over for him? No, I think K is probably more competitive whenever he faces one of his old assistant coaches or old players, um, <laughs> because that's how Bobby Knight was with him. Um, but you know, I, he definitely wants wants Jeff to to do well. Uh, I, I would say. Well, I do want to ask you two guys. I know NC State uh, did not play um, 
in any of the exhibitions or go overseas or any of that stuff this year. And um, we haven't had a chance to talk basketball yet, but I believe UNC did. I believe they went to the Bahamas, if I'm right. Um, uh, and I think Duke played in, in something I know was on te- television here recently too. And and just if you could, just kind of give your quick thoughts on based on what you saw from your, from from your team and uh, or um, what you heard happened. Dave, you want to you start? Uh, I'd love to tell you what I saw, but unlike Duke, Carolina wasn't allowed to play on television. There you go. I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I honestly think that that was the university. Um, they shut down like a live feed on YouTube. And I mean, it, it was just frustrating because, you know, you've suffered through summer. You want some some aspect of sport to watch. And, you know, you have this opportunity and, it, and then you're, you can't watch it. Um, from what I heard, I mean, I think, um, I'm trying to think back. I know one of the games, it was one of those where, uh, you know, like 30 minutes before the game, there were only four people there for them to play against. And then some other people came rolling up. I mean, it it was not, you know, any sort of competition that you could take a lot from, uh, that being said that you probably both saw the seventh woods highlight reel dunk at the end of of one of the games. So, I mean, I think that's if, if one thing came from that game, that's what it was, was, Hey, maybe seventh woods can actually be what we saw in his hype videos before his freshman year. Um, and if so, then, then Carolina is going to have a much better season than if he, if he doesn't turn into that. We'll definitely talk more basketball later on. I think UNC is going to be good this year with or without seventh. I think he, I don't even think he's going to factor into uh, how good they're going to be. Cause they've got some really talented players. Uh, with, with Duke, uh, we were, we were joking on the, uh, the sports channel eight show on Saturdays about how it was very much like an NBA summer league type thing. Um, so what, what you had is you had, uh, two guys who were like, you know, the first and second round draft pick from the team where, where, you know, that they're going to make the big squad and they're going to play a ton of minutes, but they're rookies. So you want to get them acclimated in summer league. And then they're playing with a bunch of guys who will never, ever, ever get off the practice roster. Um, you know, you had Jordan Goldwire starting and playing, you know, almost every minute as, as point guard because uh, Trey Jones w- was injured. Cam Reddish sat. Uh, he didn't play either. Alex O'Connell gets hurt in the first you know, three minutes of the first game. So he doesn't play the rest of the time. So you really had kind of a, a mix match or mix and match roster where it was all RJ Barrett and all Zion Williamson. And uh, every now and then, you know, Jack white would shoot a three or Justin Robinson or somebody, you know, again, nobody that's going to factor into the main rotation. Um, So it was difficult to tell anything from a team perspective from Duke. uh, But, but man, Zion was impressive and uh, answered a, a lot of questions that people had about him being able to, to move, you know, can he, he's so big. Can he move on the basketball court? Can he play defense? Can he shoot a jump shot? He, he did all of those things, um, and was incredibly impressive. And, uh, I'm even more excited to see him now, uh, play basketball is more or less just wanting to see, you know, maybe one or two dunks every now and then, uh, from him. But now I'm, I'm actually excited to see what he can do as a, as a basketball player. Um, uh, but it's really difficult to tell, what Duke is going to be like. Cause you didn't see their team on the court. You just saw those two guys on a publicity tour is basically what it was, but it was still nice being able to watch them. I'll say uh, anytime you get college basketball on your TV in August, it's a good thing. I know that's right. Uh, I would have liked to have been able to see you and see more as well. Um, but I, I, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, Dean playing a, a preseason tour on, on TV is not something that would have ever happened. And so I think Roy is probably hesitant to, to do that as well. Um, and then, you know, Duke is never going to turn down an opportunity to be in the spotlight, uh, in any way. So <laughs> that was, it was an easy, <laughs> easy choice for them. Um, let's keep it with basketball a little bit. Uh, Dave, I know you, you mentioned that you, you don't follow, uh, recruiting much. Is, is that true for basketball too? You're not, you're not a big uh, recruiting guy for basketball. It's a hundred percent true for, for, for football and basketball. I mean, I'll say like, you know, I'm aware typically 
a few days ahead of time when there's a big recruit who's about to announce. I mean, I remember Harrison Barnes obviously doing a Skype call to Roy and, um, you know, a couple others. Uh, who was it? Was it Zion who did the announcement last year? Um, he did. He was on uh, like one of the ESPN shows. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, you hear, you see a couple of big ones of those every now and then. I did see a thread on Inside Carolina, uh, I guess it was earlier today, Monday, um, Josiah James. I guess he's going to be some great player, and he he canceled an official visit to Duke, and he's going to announce this Wednesday. But I don't know if he's, I don't know if that means he's ruled Duke out or he's guaranteed to go to Duke. You never know. And so, I, I, I yeah, I just don't really follow until they've, until they've announced where they're going and that in in basketball they've signed and in football they have to show up on campus because even after someone says they're going somewhere it doesn't really mean much right it's, it's about a 25 percent success rate of actually getting them on on campus right unless, unless you're dave doran james i know i know you follow recruiting heavily because that is the core of your business at inside back sports right uh, is that a passion of yours or is that a business decision i love it to be honest with you, I do. Um, that was really what got me started. Um, I remember I was um, maybe 19 when I went and covered, and I call it covered. I, I essentially snuck into the Bob Gibbons Tournament of Champions. And uh, when they used to have it back in the triangle, and I was just interviewing kids on my own just to find out um, who, uh, you know, who they were, who they liked and different things like that. And, I mean, it's just something that always um, appealed to me. And uh, I was able to obviously turn it into a, a career. And you're right. I mean, it's it's kind of what drives my business um, from a, a subscription standpoint. Obviously, we do in-depth coverage of the team as well. And, and that's that's really a lot of our focus, too. But uh, uh, the majority, I think, of our subscription content is more recruiting-based, football, basketball, things like that. And, and I think, in my opinion, I think to, to cover it the way we have to do it to run a business like that, you got to love it. And just the actual at grind of going to AU tournaments and watching and evaluating kids, interviewing kids, going to football camps, different things like that. Um, so, yeah, for me, I mean, it's just kind of something that ever since, um, you know, I remember growing up 12 or 13, I used to get, I uh, grew up right outside of Fayetteville and I'd get the Fayetteville, Fayetteville Observer and they'd have a recruiting column every week in there. And I would read it and, and, um, they talk about who was going to UNC, Duke, or State, and, and um, it would help me kind of get familiar with players before they even got to those schools. And and even since then, it just really was something that, that appealed to me. I, I kind of fall more in line with, with Dave. Um, again, really not a, uh, a, a business need for me to follow it. If a, if a guy commits or signs, uh, I'll go check out the highlight tape. I'll get, you know, I'll get to know – what kind of player he is um, because I, I do, I do like to do a little bit of analysis and, and put something out like an instant reaction to what this means for the roster next year, that kind of thing. Um, but I, yeah, I don't really follow, like I cannot tell you right now the list of Duke basketball targets or Duke football targets. I, I don't know. Um, but as they start committing, I'll definitely go and, and, and check them out and get to know them a little bit. I think again, everyone in the, in the world is kind of in the same boat with Zion Williamson. I think he was such a household name just from the highlights that, that he was kind of a known um, before he committed. And uh, you know, you, you definitely follow the announcements, but I, I don't get too much into it. One of the questions that we have from Twitter from Keaton Dirks is when is the typical period for college basketball in terms of commitments, James, what, when, when do we typically see, the, the 2019 guys, um, you know, committing, is it early? Is it later on during the basketball season? When do we usually see that? Man, it, you know, um, really it's year round to be completely honest with you. It's gotten to a point now with where social media is kids commit at any time. Um, and it, it's a matter of like, uh, I know for now in the, in the spring, you're starting to see kids take spring official visits that that rule is passed where you can take spring official visits now Heading into your senior year, it used to be you couldn't do that until your senior year. So I think that's that's led to some kids make earlier decisions. You got you see guys do that like right after the first evaluation period in the spring. But if I had to pick a time period, it would it would be right now because what's happening now is um, you see a lot of a lot of players take official visits in the fall. 
And I know, for instance, at NC State, uh, over the last three uh, three weeks, they've had three their three top targets on campus for official visits: uh, Wendell Moore, um, Jalen LeCue, and Patrick Williams. And all three of them are kind of starting to narrow their list. And really, the reason it's right now is because all these guys generally want to take four or five official visits, and you do it in September and October, looking to have your decision made before that November signing period. And so that's the first signing period for basketball. So kids really try and squeeze their visits in right after the AAU season ends in August or July or August, start their visits, and then look to make decisions. So you're starting to see kids pop now. I think um, David mentioned one that would be making a decision, I think, this week. And that's, to me, if I had to pick a time frame, that's the general time frame. But really, man, with where social media is, you see guys now taking, you know, looking to make decisions whenever they can and, and as early as possible. I know UNC has been really um, – they, they've really over the years taken kids early, uh, you know, uh, just off the top of my head, Marcus Ginyard was a guy I remember committing as a sophomore. Um, I think Kobe white, maybe, maybe committed early. I mean, they, they've taken kids, you know, generally earlier than heading into their senior year. And so the time frame can really range a year or two. The, the follow-up question that we had uh, was from, from Mark Stouffer. Uh, who asked, I guess, me specifically, is it time for Duke to panic on the lack of basketball recruiting success in this current cycle? Uh, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, again, Duke doesn't have a commitment for the 2019 season. I don't see that lasting much, much longer. Right. Um, they're they're going to get someone. But I, I think I think what's interesting is Krzyzewski's always been kind of on the cutting edge of the latest trends in, in, in basketball. And, and I think they've, they've lost a couple of guys already this class that, that they thought they might have a shot at. Um, one went to, uh, to Villanova, the one that, that Dave mentioned, uh, Josiah James, I, I keep seeing Clemson as the, uh, the landing spot for, for him. Um, oh, but, just like know, Zion. Yeah. Just like, just like Zion. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but no, I think uh, I think Duke is is out of the out of the picture there. Um, they're still obviously going after the the top of the class, and and the top of the class is typically going to be that one and done player. I do wonder um, how much a school like Duke can jump in on some of these transfers that other schools like NC State has feasted on really over over the past few years with right. with the with the lax. Uh, rules when it comes to when it comes to recruiting you know if I'm a if I'm a kid at at you know a, a, a smaller major school you know like a kind of off off the radar a little bit or a really good mid-major player and I've got a chance to, to jump up and play you know a season in the ACC uh, if Duke comes in late and, and offers me that opportunity to do so will they take that that jump and, and do that so i I you know, with with the changes coming in the near future with one and done, I almost wonder if one and done becomes, you know, a junior transfer, <laughs> and then you know they they come in and they they play that one their their one year they've already played two years in college and now they're coming into a major program, getting all the exposure, um, you know, getting raising their draft stock and moving on. Then I wonder if we're starting to see that uh, a little bit. But anytime you go after the top kids in the class exclusively you're going to get some you're not going to get some um and i think duke's in that a uh, little bit of a cycle right now where they're not getting those guys this season but you know one season doesn't really uh indicate a trend i don't anticipate any kind of major cause for uh concern there's still going to be good basketball players on the roster and you know really the as we've seen with Virginia, as we've seen with Duke, as we've seen with North Carolina, uh, the NCAA is kind of a crapshoot. You know, either you can make a deep run or you can go out early. And, uh, you know, if you have a coach on the sidelines that's capable of, of getting a team to, to play well in, in a tournament, you got a chance. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think Duke fans should be concerned, but I'm not the recruiting expert. That's why I wanted to bring that up and and put that out there that I, that I am not the guy to answer that question. But from my point of view, uh, I don't think Duke is any need, uh, in any need of concern right now. Um, I was going to say, let me give you one name. Um, Wendell, Wendell Moore, 
uh, and this is kind of I wanted to bring him up on the on the podcast because okay. I interviewed him a few weeks back, and he he actually took his official visit to NC State. He's a 2019 wing from uh, Concord. And um, I don't know if you guys know the answer to this, but I couldn't recall a, pl- a high school recruit who, uh, in recent years, his final four schools were NC State, Duke, North Carolina, and Wake Forest. And his plan is to take official visits to all four schools and then look to make his decision. Now, Duke's considered the leader for him, and I think a lot of people expect him to end up at Duke. But can you remember a guy that that was it, those were his final four schools were the actual four in-state schools and he took officials to all four. I couldn't think of the last person that. that yeah, was. not not with Wake. I know uh, Brandon Ingram's the one off the top of my head right. that jumps out as being a Duke State and Carolina recruit. And obviously, did he not look at Kentucky? Like, was he was he literally just those? Three, I those think three? he was honestly just down to those three okay. schools. I don't think he was ever a, K- a Kentucky guy. Um, I think he was legitimately down to those three schools. I could be again. I could be completely wrong, but I don't remember that being the case. Um, and I, I know, you know, Duke was in it heavy with Wake Forest with Harry Giles. Um, and then the other one that, you know, the obvious one that jumps off everybody's memory is Shavlik Randolph. Right. Ended up not, not being that much of an impact player at the collegiate level, but was a huge recruit at the time. Um, those, those are the ones that jump out to me as being in that same boat. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember anyone specifically being down to those last four schools. Yeah, and he's taken – and I think he's already been to State and Wake, and um, I think he's going to UNC for their their uh, March – their I say March Madness, their Midnight Madness deal, and then he's going to Duke also. But those are his four officials, and then he he told me he'll look to make a decision right after that. But I couldn't think of a guy who he'd cut his four down to, to just the to tobacco, tobacco road schools and, and look to the side. So I thought that was just pretty interesting. Yeah, he just likes to watch the world burn, I guess. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> He'll end up committing to Kentucky and, and just <laughs> and just being the most hated man in North Carolina. <laughs> we'll go uh, one last question before we wrap up. This was this was a good one. Um, I'm trying to find the exact question right here from Coleman Con- Coleman Conley. One, uh, I'll, I'll read it, but then we'll translate it. Uh, one tripartisan ACC fantasy team. You can only pick a player from your school to add to the tripartisan team. And then a snake draft. We don't need to do a snake draft. So what, what we've done is we simplified that down into top three fantasy players from our three ACC schools that, that we cover. Um, I guess what we could do is if we want to do a snake draft, if you pick a position, that position is off the board. Do you want to do that? Or do we okay. want to just do top three fantasy players from – from the from uh, the, the three schools, which do you guys want to do? I we can go. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say we can go one position each: wide receiver, running back, QB, or something okay. from each. All right. So yeah, you, just want, you just want to do wide receiver, running back, QB. I don't know. Or, or, or just three, yeah. or any three positions. You know, it could be kind of maybe for each team might be different. Maybe you know. I know NC State's 120th in rushing right now. I really don't want to pick a running back if I don't have to. That's um, true. I don't really want to pick a quarterback. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we should scrap that part. <laughs> so, can we pick a kicker? So let's let's do this. We'll do uh, we'll, we'll do these positions: a wide receiver, running back, quarterback, tight end, defense, special teams, and a flex position. So uh, each of us will end up picking two to build our tripartisan fantasy team uh, from from our school. Does that make sense? Got it. Yep. Okay. Um, so let's go. Uh, let's go in order of wins, reverse order of wins. So we'll go uh, Dave first with, with zero. <laughs> great. Great. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, hmm. I guess. I mean, I, I think the obvious choice from Carolina right now is Anthony Ratliff Williams. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, he's got. You know, he's he's got the receiving and the yards, but he's also a return man. And so I'm always when I'm playing fantasy, I'm always looking for that because, you know, that's just that little bit of an advantage. And especially um, in the league that I'm in, we get, you know, you get more points for return. You get more points for return touchdowns if you happen to get one of those. I think we I think we give eight points for return TD. So if you had like Ryan Switzer on your team several years ago, you were in good shape. Um, But I think. First pick, I'd take Anthony Ratliff-Williams from Carolina. That's a good pick. James, who you got? 
Well, I got to go with Ryan Finley. Yeah. Um, you know, just looking at, at his numbers, leads the conference in passing, 340 yards passing a game, um, 74% completion percentage, you know. I mean, uh, as Dave knows, I'm sure you do too, Ben, in fantasy. I mean, you need those quarterbacks that are going to get the yards and, and throw for touchdowns. And so, obviously, at NC State, he kind of makes everything go. So, you know, if I got one player I'm picking off, off the Wolfpack, it's going to be him. All right, so I've got uh, two picks now for, for Duke. I've got a running back on the board. I've got a tight end, defense, and, and flex. Um, because of what we've seen so far, I would not normally take – a defense with my first pick. Uh, but I would, I'm going to take the Duke defense. They're, uh, they're plus five in, in turnover margin right now. Uh, they had a pick six this past weekend. They've blocked two kicks. Um, they've got good threatening return guys to potentially run back, uh, kickoffs or punts for, for touchdowns. And they're shockingly perfect on field goals. Uh, and, and I know James was itching to pick, uh, the kicking team from NC state, but I'm going to take that off the board and we're going to go with Duke's defense and special teams. Uh, they've also had, had some sacks. So points for us there. Um, now it's a tough choice between uh, running backs has been, we talked about this in the group, in the group text, Duke switching running backs a lot. And that makes me a little nervous tight end. Another thing, they've got two tight ends that they like to use. Um, so I'm going to go, with TJ Ramming as my flex player, uh, Duke's wide receiver. Um, he scored, I think, three touchdowns so far this year. Um, and is definitely the number one target. And it, it has played really well. Uh, I was shocked by this stat when I looked it up because I, I, I remember Duke's wide receivers not scoring a bunch of touchdowns last season. Duke has already scored more receiving touchdowns from wideouts this year than they did last year, which is kind of depressing last year, but, uh, but good for this year. So I'm going to take the flex and I'm going to go TJ Ramming. So we're back to James. Now you got a tight end or a running back. Oh man. I'm, you know, I, I already said earlier, NC state's 120 in rushing. So I'm, I'm just not taking a running back and, um, tight end, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with Kerry Angeline. He is, uh, the USC transfer for NC state. Um, he'll be, he's actually be actually eligible. This, this weekend is going to be his first game. And when we met up with Dave this week, they, they put the depth chart out. They, they instantly put him as the number one tight end and just all indications are, I mean, he's going to be a major focus on their offense. And I mean, this is an offense that, that we've already talked about how much they like to pass it with Finley. I think he leads the conference in pass attempts. So I, I think Angeline Angeline's going to have a big year. I really do. Um, and even though he hasn't played yet, I, I think this weekend against Marshall, um, he, he's going to come out and, and be a, a major point of emphasis for NC State. So if I had to pick between tight end or running back with NC State, I'm definitely going tight end because I think Angeline's going to be – I really think he'll be one of the best in the conference this year. I like it. All right, Dave, who's our running back? Oh, that's perfect. So now I can take another Williams. So I'll take Antonio Williams. Um, you know, the transfer out of Ohio state, um, he doesn't, uh, honestly, I mean, I think Carolina, we, well, we talked about in the group text running back by committee. And so, you know, we've got, um, an injured running back. We got, we got all kinds of different things going on at the running back spot, but Antonio Williams so far, I think has the most carries on the season, most yardage on the season. So I'd have to go with him if I'm if I'm if I'm pinned into taking a running back. That's who I'd take. That's a pretty solid team. Actually, I don't mind that. I don't mind this team at all. Uh, I think Finley's the best quarterback out of that group. Um, Ratliff Williams is, is obviously the best. I don't know, obviously, but I'm going to say he's the best wide receiver. James might take offense to that. Oh yeah, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he's I, I, yeah. Hey, you you put you put him out wide and let Finley throw him the ball. And, and, uh, and I like what I, I like what I'm getting there. Uh, but I like, I like our squad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anybody off of that squad. Yeah, I think it's pretty solid. I really do. I mean, uh, you know, looking at it, um, I mean, for the, for the triangle to, to put that together, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, I think uh, all, all three teams are, are pretty well represented and it kind of lined up perfectly I'm, I'm i'm glad we left dave with that running back because i'm not sure 
well, what he would have had left right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think our tight ends have three catches this season. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm going on a wish list because my the guy I picked has zero. So. <laughs> can, can we take Bryce Love? Can we, can we pick him? Yeah, maybe this a specialist spot, you know. He's a North Carolina kid. We got to pick him somewhere, right? <laughs> now uh, the next he, step, he, next step is that we put together a roster of Wake players and let let our squad go up against them. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> well, uh, Wake Wake wins that by 21 points. <laughs> uh, anything interesting this weekend before we go? Uh, Duke Duke's got Central at home in. Uh, in a game that they're favored by, I think 45 points is what I saw today, uh, which is scary. Um, there's no way Duke covers that, but we'll, but we'll see. What about you guys? Well, I know for state, uh, first road game, I think, um, Duke and UNC have already had their first road game. Um, and so for state, I mean, obviously always when you go on the road for the first time, it's a different challenge, you know, not really sure how each team in a given year is going to, going to perform and they're going to play at Marshall a night game. I mean, I think that's a scary, sort of a trap game for NC state. I really do. I mean, they're two and zero this year. Uh, they played state competitively last year. I think Dave said they had back 18 starters from last year's team. So, I mean, I think that's going to be a, a tough game for NC state, even though they are six point favorites. So, um, you know, I think that's going to kind of be maybe the, the point of my column this week is just going to be talking about going on the road for the first time and, and just the different challenges that's going to present for, for this specific team. Dave, you can't go 8-0 without going 1-0. You guys have Pitt this weekend. Uh, what are you looking forward to in that one? Oh, man. Well, it's our first home game, so we're the opposite. Um, yeah, it's going to be nice to get into Keenan coming off of a, now a, a bye week. And, yeah, like you said, this is where we go 1-0. We've owned Pitt since they joined the conference. Um, so I don't expect if, – if, if Pitt could be our lone conference win last season, they can definitely be our first conference win this season. So I'm looking forward to – to to getting off to a better start, a better restart than we got off to a start. Just maybe come out wearing uh, Penn State uniforms. <laughs> that, should, that should do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will uh, get back together again next week and actually talk about some football, uh, which will be a nice change from this week. Although I didn't mind talking basketball, and I know that uh, that Dave didn't either. Um, so. Before too long, we'll be all basketball, but uh, we've got some some football left to take care of. Uh, Again, for James Henderson, Dave Staley, I'm Ben Swain. We are the Tripartisans. Catch us on WRELsportsfan.com this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Tripartisan Podcast with Ben Swain, James Henderson, and David Staley. We hope you enjoy this show every week during the ACC football and basketball season. Our three insiders will have another installment next week on all the football and basketball happenings with Duke, NC State, and Carolina. Don't forget you can download and listen to this podcast at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sportsfan app, or subscribe to it in iTunes and Google Play stores.